Help support the Hockey Hurts podcast by donating as little as $1 per month by visiting patreon.com slash hockey hurts. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts podcast for September 9th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Welch. And it is the month of September. Training camps are around the corner, but before that, we have the World Cup of Hockey that's being put on by the NHL. The tournament will be based in Toronto. However, we have started to see some exhibition games start to take place. And in this podcast, we are going to discuss our overall feelings about this tournament in general. Uh, do we like it? Uh, Cameron's got some TV takes about it coming from <laughs> Australia. And we'll go through each team and what we think of each team and how they've uh, come about the, the rosters that they have and how we think they're going to do so. First things first, I'll, I'll let you uh, get your complaining out about the TV portion of things, which is actually weird. Uh, being on ESPN in the United States, it's actually the opposite of things here. It's easier for people to find, but yeah. for you, it's not. No, it's one of those things that I've, I found, one, frustrating because we've been starved of new hockey to watch. But um, I had no blackout problems throughout the entire year watching NHL hockey, it's brilliant. It's one of the, the blessings of being international. You don't have to worry about whether the game's in your market or all that garbage that you guys have to deal with in regards to your networks. Get to ESPN, though, and ESPN have got the broadcasting rights. I can't watch the game through the NHL app at the moment. I'm sure I probably can when we get to the actual games, but even then I'm not sure. And the uh, ESPN website doesn't even have the World Cup on it because it always defaults to ESPN.com.au, and it's just an absolute shambles. So I'm like, yeah, I can't watch anything. So you get 30-second clips of highlights, and it's like, yeah, this is just garbage. So well done, NHL. They're trying to push this tournament to, to replace the Olympics, at least make it so that the worldwide audience can watch it. I think you could get creative, but I hear your struggles. It should be a lot easier Given oh. that it's on ESPN's platform. Yeah, I mean, I could I could get there. And if, like, for me, I would be trying to watch this before I go to work, right? So I don't want to be piss-farting around trying to find a creative stream to watch it, if you know what I mean. Um, just due to the time of the day, I shouldn't have to go ahead and do that. That's the thing that frustrates me with this whole concept. And it's like, you're trying to push this out to replace the Olympics, at least make it viewable. So, complaint heard, but over here, it's actually going to reach a lot more casual fans because that's ESPN, perfect. Um, has that, and that's been a complaint for a long time in this country that yep. when, when hockey left, or the sport, specifically the NHL, left ESPN, that you know popularity went down and that kind of stuff. So, this is uh, ESPN's move to get back in the hockey game. We'll see how it goes, uh, but it's available. Uh, either ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN3 is their online thing. Is it on or, the Ocho? Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen the Ocho yet. It's not on the Ocho? No? <clears throat> not yet. Maybe Kazakhstan's games. <laughs> so, do that's you, the TV Do you want to watch this, though? Like, are you excited for this tournament or, or what? Like, do you want to watch it? So there's a few things at play. Yes, I want to watch it. It's September. There's nothing else on. True. I'm paid to cover the sport. Thank God. <laughs> something <laughs> to write about. Because the team I write about did really awesome last year and have not had a lot of changes. So 
there's only so many times you can say, well, that was great. They're returning mostly everybody, and let's see if they can do it again. And I'm running out of ideas to say the same thing a million times. Yeah, no, just so, I just hope you don't have something bad to write about come two and a half weeks' time. Yeah, correct. Um, with any tournament or any time you actually play the sport of hockey, there is risk of injury. I like the placement of the tournament being in September because if there is, let's say, a, a serious injury but not like a catastrophic one, hypothetically speaking, you'll still have that player for the second half of the year. It's recoverable. You're exactly right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, selfishly speaking, uh, promotion, I'll be covering Team Canada for HockeyBuzz.com during the tournament. So I got got how a little bit you, lucky. I got a, how got, did got a you good get dibs there. on that? How did you get dibs on that? Sid. Simple as that. You just went, all right, Sid, I get to call Canada. Well, no, they, they said, hey, you want to cover Canada because Sid. I said, all right. That's, yeah. That works for me. You would have made that on North so, America, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would have. I, I could have, you know, I could do any of the teams, but Canada no, is obviously interesting. You, United States, as we'll get into, is interesting for other reasons. North <laughs> America's my team for this tournament. I love love seeing them. But there's, every team has kind of their own cool things going on. Um, my overall feeling, some people don't like this tournament at all. They think it's just a, a money grab. And while, yes, it's financially driven, I like international sports. And I know there's been some players that have stepped out due to injury or quote-unquote injury, whatever. <laughs> but there's so many great players still here, and it speaks volumes that they want to be there. You still have, like, Crosby, Ovechkin, Malkin, Tarasenko, uh, Lundqvist, Carlson, Sedins, uh, Barkov, and you can oh, go down the list. There's high-end players at this thing, and they clearly want to do it because they want to play for their country. So for fans, I I don't like the opinion, fuck this tournament, you play for my favorite team, don't risk it. It's like, well, you know what? They're people, and they want to do this, and it's an opportunity for them, and they have every right to go do it. So, you know, you root for a team. So what? <laughs> like, you don't get to tell the players what they kind of can't do just because you happen to have a favorite team in the sport. I, I just don't get that mindset. Well, you roll that back to the whole VC stuff that happened in the offseason. It's the same same philosophy, basically, really, when you think about it. I look, I, I want to watch it. I think it's because I'm starved for hockey. Uh, best thing about it is that I think theoretically – we should have really good actual NHL hockey at the start of the year because of this tournament. All of these players will be flying by the time they get to game one. So instead of having that sort of ease into the season, you know, first five or six games where people can be a bit flat, all the superstars that get legitimate minutes in this tournament should be absolutely flying. Wouldn't Might work out great the first two weeks yeah. where the stars are playing great and the and – the quote-unquote scrubs are not up to par, there may be a nice enough gap where we might actually see some cool goals. Yeah, but but you get there in, in, sort of looking at it in a bigger context, but it'll just be nice to see, um, and particularly if you look at that, that goddamn Canadian team, that is just a litany of awesome talent. And the funny thing is their worst sort of position is their defense, and that's by choice. If they'd pick different players, I don't think their defense would look quite as thin as it does, and it's still not even thin, if that makes any sense. It's not thin, you're right. 
they didn't, and we'll talk about it. They didn't maximize their roster. Mm. But they don't have that's better. That's a better way to put it. They're unique in that they have so much talent. But I know there's a lot of criticism. Uh, injuries are a potential thing. I I don't look at this as something to replace the Olympics. Yeah, but they I, are. I, um, I don't think the NHL will be passing on China at the Olympics. That's too big of a platform. Now, the next one, Korea, I could see them passing on that. But I don't see the NHL foregoing spreading the sport to China because that's big money. Yeah, I, and the KHL yeah. has just expanded there. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where um, I one thing I, I am grateful for is because the season's almost back, all the hockey podcasts that I listen to are starting to come back. So I was like, oh, thank God for that. Um, it is one of those things where if you run with the Jeff Merritt conspiracy theory on the whole, set this thing up to replace the Olympics, could you see them running it? Like the Olympics is every four years. Could you see the NHL just running this every four years, but obviously on the alternate? So it's like, you know, this Olympics, this Olympics, this Olympics. Oh, on the same four year? Yeah, so it's a four-year rotation, but they're just – it's like – But the same year as the winner? Oh, God, no, 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 not at all. So oh, the winner okay. – like you have this now, and then the Winter Olympics is 2018, right? I think it would be cool if they staggered it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Every two years you got one of these two. Yeah, things. exactly. I'm going to be completely honest. Selfishly, as a North American fan, I have little to no interest in who – wins the world championships just because of the timing of it i feel as though none of those rosters are maximized at all oh they're even close to so the the players that are still in the playoffs for the nhl well they're not going to be over there you either take the break for the olympics in february or you do a tournament like this in september and if you did it every two years alternating which one i think you'd have a truer sense of the uh international power of each team i would enjoy that more oh i'm not saying the world championship is a bad tournament i just don't think it's totally indicative of like the bar mind you the u.s put together a real dog shit roster for this thing yeah but But they even have a worse one at at the world championships (laughs) they got like guys you just are like what yeah yeah i don't know that that could, oh, I like it. I'm looking you know, uh, you know, I'll bring I'll bring this up later when we get to the US and we go through our our reviews because I do want to ask you a couple of questions um, about the the roster construction and, and how they're going to get absolutely torched. But yeah, um, do you want to discuss Canada? The roster. Okay, so how how we're going to do this? We have Group A and Group B. We're just going to go through Group A alphabetically, Group B alphabetically. Uh, how long we spend on each team? On each team, we don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Canada. Let's lead off with the big dogs, who I think is the favorite for the tournament. Uh, you look down their forward roster here; it can't be touched, and they oh. still got guys to burn. Like Jamie Ben went home with uh, an injury. Guys like that that are super high end, and they're still just loaded. It's unreal. It's uh, and you look at it this way, you go, well, they've got Tyler Sagan playing right wing on, on the third line. I think 
this this current thing that we we have a ESPN thing in front of us, a depth chart, kind of cheat our ways through this. This one's a little bit dated. Yeah, because Sagan's actually on the second line with Getzlaff and Tavares, with Stamkos playing with Taves and Couture. At least that's how it was yesterday. It's you just sit there and shake your head at it. It's like that's the second line. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and you know, unfortunately, you've got Thornton and Giroux on the fourth line. Like, oh my gosh, woe is me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it's uh, it's supposed. I suppose this is the th- this is one of the challenges at being Mike Babcock. I suppose is one getting all these guys enough playing time so they feel like they get into the flow of the game and they feel like they're going to contribute. And and then if someone gets hot, is is realizing when they get hot to to get the most out of them and not to piss the other guys. Not that I think they'd suck, but you know what I'm saying. Like that's a I think. I think they understand that there's only so much ice and there's so many good players. But you're right. There, it's coaching an international tournament of superstars is a delicate thing. Yeah. So that second line with Tavares, Getzlaff, and Sagan—they're all number one centers. Sagan and Tavares could chase an Art Ross Trophy in any given year. Well, yeah, and I mean, Thornton's won it himself. Giroud could go close if he can get help. Like, you just you look through that front mix and you go, right, okay, they've got enough players to do stuff with the puck. Can they get the puck to them? And then you look at their defenseman and you go, yes, they won't have any trouble getting the puck to them. But even still with the forwards, Couture led the playoffs in scoring last year. <clears throat> and we haven't even mentioned the top line yet with Sid. So Sid's going to be between two Bruins. And... It kind of makes sense because him and Bergeron have always played great together. This stems all the way back from the 05 World Junior Championships where Bergeron led the tournament in scoring and Sid had over a point a game on that line. And Brad Marchand is a Nova Scotia native and has been training with Sidney Crosby all summer. You can look up on my blog over the past few months. There's been a few of them where there, somebody's had YouTube video of the practices. That's been pretty cool. So... And Marshawn's coming off 37 goals last year, so that's nothing to sneeze at either. Well, he's the highest scoring goal scorer on that line. <laughs> By one, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's... but that's true. Sid's going to find space for him. Yeah. I and... think all three of those guys will create space for one another. But that's the, you, if we get all four lines will create space for each other. The only thing I would consider maybe a risk would be Thornton and Giroux maybe just passing the puck too much. Otherwise, Everything looks pretty balanced with that entire front front of the roster, really. And Corey Perry's the extra forward. Oh. The 34-goal guy. Ooh. Gee. It's it's unreal. Um, it And that's why I like this tournament. It's going to be fun to watch great players try to do great things. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, defense. So you're right. It is very good. It's not maximized, and I'll, we'll come up with reasons for why that is. The top pairing, it looks to be Muzzin and Doughty, and that's totally fine. Yep. Drew Doughty, for as much as people – at times I think it came off as over-the-top criticism because people were trying to make a point that Eric Carlson deserved the Norris. I happen to believe he did, Eric Carlson, that is. Yeah. But that doesn't mean Drew Doughty somehow isn't great or yeah, wonderful – 
he is. I just, you know, I didn't think he deserved the, the best in the league award. But he's he's a wonderful player in his own right. He had 51 points last year. He obviously drives possession for the Los Angeles Kings. And his partner, Jake Muzzin, is probably underrated to most. Well, Daddy usually takes all the um, all the accolades and, and Muzzin just quietly goes about his business in a, at a very high level. And that's sometimes the, the curse of the the other side of the ice when you, you're paired up with a, an elite number one guy who's an absolute superstar. So I think that's a great pairing. It personal. is. So then we move on to what looks to be their second pairing, Mark Edward Vlasic. Also one of those kind of unheralded. I mean, he gets his accolades. He's been on Team Canada for a few tournaments now. He's awesome at driving play, and his 5v5 points per 60 is 1.21, which is very good for a defenseman. So he's driving offense at even strength, and he's driving possession. His partner has no business being on this team. (laughs) Che Weber should not be on this team. Can we trade him for Subban? Right? I mean, it's just funny how that is, that Montreal scoffed at Subban and traded him off, and Team Canada kind of shares that same opinion, and that he's been replaced pretty much in a sense by an overrated Shea Weber. Now, Shea Weber is not a bad player. This has been said many times on the podcast. (laughs) Shea Weber is not close to what the general perception is with mainstream media. He is not even close to being Norris caliber. He is not a top-end defenseman anymore. He's an effective shot-generating defenseman who can do some good things on the power play, and he had 51 points last year and 20 goals. That obviously speaks to him being good, but he's not good defensively, so all that grit and toughness that people talk about, it's not translating to suppressing shots. There's no tangible evidence that he's good defensively. Not anymore. Yes, correct. He used he used to be top-end, but he's past 30, and speed was never kind of his thing. But you got guys at home like Letang and Subban, and I, yeah, can't they're agree the, there. They're the two easiest ones to to, to pick in regards to just. I, I, look, I would even have. I'd rather play Bowmeister ahead of Weber, and, and I still uh-huh. I still don't understand why Bowmeister got the gig as opposed to Subban and Letang. Okay, I have. I've That's tried, why. That's I've why. tried my hardest not to swear the last couple of weeks, but fuck that. These yeah, guys are elite top end players. Fuck the handedness. They're good enough to not give a toss. I get your argument though. That's. I think that's why they did it though. Uh, you're, they, you're do, exactly. they do have a lot of righties. Dowdy, Weber, Pietrangelo, Burns. But I do agree with you. I think someone could play a left side. Um, and do it fine. So I don't want to beat up on Shea Weber. It's not going to cost Canada the tournament. It is just a, a case of where Canada has, uh, they're spoiled with the riches and don't need to maximize the roster. They can still get by even if they make evaluation mistakes. As time goes on and we see the United States get better and maybe some other countries develop and, and hit a hot streak in their development, they will have to do a better job of maximizing. I think especially true against the United States. Um, it's shit wide as Some high-end young United States players coming up. 
and hockey's growing in the United States. Hockey, they're producing high-end players from non-traditional markets now, which should scare Canada a little bit. So this is a 15- to 20-year process. But eventually, they're going to have to take P.K. Subban and not Shea Weber if they want to yeah. keep that edge. Yeah. No, totally. For this tournament, it don't matter. No. Do, do, like, they don't even have to worry in net. If price goes – actually, serious question. Price goes down, right? Say price just physically can't go. Crawford or Holtby, what would be your first choice? I would probably go Holtby. I would go Crawford. And that's just one of those things. I think they're in good shape either way. Bingo. You're exactly right. Price hasn't played nine months, but from all accounts, he looks pretty sharp in practice. He's going to start against the United States today, tonight, 7 p.m., so 7 a.m. for you, Saturday morning. Yep, yep. Um, you know, um, Price 14-15 season was remarkable. Heart uh, Trophy, Vesna, all that stuff. Last year was the opposite of that. He got hurt and couldn't play. Prior to that MVP season, though, it wasn't always high, high end. He's had a little bit of a roller coaster variance on the save percentage front. So we'll see how he, he, he battles back. But I can understand why Canada would say, all right, you're the guy. Let's uh, see if you can do it. And if not, we'll lean on one of the other guys. The thing that's, the thing that's sort of funny for, for Price is that you hope that the the better year that he had wasn't his, isn't his career year because he never got a chance to push forward. Like he was 10 and two last year until his body just packed it in on him. Like he was just, he, he, yeah, he was playing good last year. Yeah. Everything was tracking for him to just, you know, repeat the performance and, 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 and make a mess of some, you know, historical sort of numbers. And, um, it's just a shame that, you know, that injury really waylaid him in, in regards to his path. So hopefully this is just a platform for him to uh, get back to at least where he was before he got hurt last year and then obviously improve further forward. All right, so you, you're going Crawford. I would go Holtby coming off his really nice season last year. Not that Crawford didn't have one. But, no, and there you go, once again. <laughs> you know, great problem. Exactly. Although the only thing, I'll, last thing I'll add about Canada, we forgot to mention anything about their other third pairing defenseman, the 75 point Brent Burns <laughs> on the third pairing. Yeah, I did look at that a second ago and I went, I haven't mentioned the bearded man. Um, Let's say Canada even did hit injuries somehow. He could jump up and play forward. Oh, I forgot about it. Do, do you reckon that was the turning point in his career when they put him forward and, and he sort of realized what he could do and then he went, oh, I can do that from back here now as well? Yeah, that's a good point because in Minnesota he was a good defenseman. Yeah, he was, yeah, that's the thing. He was good. And then they, you know. Put him on forward, Joe Thornton. He's like, wow, I can do some of these things. And then. Credit to the coaching staff in San Jose for having the balls to do that. I believe I said I wanted him at forward, but he proved me wrong on that. I think we were He took both. all the great forward things yep. and put him on defense. And 75 points from any player, let alone a defenseman, yeah. is uh, unreal. I, I think you and I were both a little bit worried about their ability to replace what he could provide up front. And San Jose found a way to do it. And he just went forward in leaps and bounds getting onto that back end and, and doing that. So... Um, Todd McClellan may regret this that he's done such a good job of getting as much out of that out of that player as he has. So that's Canada. That's our favorite for or my favorite for the tournament. Uh, that's our favorite for the tournament. 
Okay, so not much else to say than they kick ass, and we'll see uh, if in this short sample they can uh, validate it. it. Yeah. So onwards to the Czech Republic. They still have a team. I know before the podcast, you thought they were the ones not, but it's Slovakia that's... No, they keep losing players out of this team. Players keep... They do. Their best one, unfortunately. Yeah. It would have been better with Jager, but he's not playing. Uh, their top line looks like Andre Palat, Thomas Plakanitz, and uh, Jakub Voracek. Not a bad line, but... When when we talk about Canada's fourth line and then this top line, it's like, uh, you know. You know, it's it's funny. You know, you look at their third line. If you just go look at their third line, that looks like a third line. Like that's a that's a NHL level third line. Well, Voracek's great. No, 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 just their third line. So if you go Faxa, Faxa, bloody Hemsky and Frolik, right? That looks like a third line at the NHL level. This is an international tournament. That's your problem, isn't it? Yeah, when you got the best of the best. Yeah. I, I, I actually like that second line of Hemsky, Baxa, and Froelich better than their second line of Milan McCulloch, Martin Hansel, and David Pasternak. Yeah. Hansel, he's so hot right now. Is he, though? No. No, he is not. <laughs> so, and then um, Michael Berner, Dimitri Yaskin of the Blues, who's just a you know, run-of-the-mill, fourth-line, 13-point player. Vladimir Sabatka had a scare. He's he's coming back to St. Louis this year from the KHL. They thought he may have broke his clavicle. Is that turned what out, it was? Turned out, no. What's He'll be point? playing. So, And then Roman Cervenka is their extra guy. Um, you know, probably one of the weaker forward groups in the tournament. Just the whole group in, in itself, it's, it's just... You get there and it's like, well, you know, they are what they are. I mean, this defense is just, <sighs> I'll just list them off. Michael Kempney, Roman Polak, that looks like the top pairing. Eey. Andre Suster, Zabenek McCulloch is the middle. Michael Jordan and Nakladov. <laughs> it's Nakladov. <laughs> Nakladov. Okay, well, apologies. <laughs> I just they might as well have the American Michael Jordan in there for. It wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. All it really matters for this tournament. Yeah, I do like that name, Beckledal. Goaltending. Neuwirth is is a good goalie. Pav Pavlik is not. <laughs> Peter Morazic is... is okay. So I would probably. Um, I would give Neuwirth a little more of a look than probably some would. They, they view him as a backup, but he's been playing at a high level. I would have Neuwirth and Morazic battle it out, and Pavlik can be along for the ride. You can shoot go. They're going to need both goalies because I have a feeling there's the shot volume's just going to be too much. Probably not a bad call, though. So, for me, a lot of the luster's lost when Jager doesn't play on this team because I don't think there's enough... Anything else really there to, to make it interesting, well, at least from didn't, my... Didn't Yuri Hoodla get the call and he said no? I believe he did. So, yeah, like we said at the top, some players bowed out from injury or, or didn't do it, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other, you know, players doing this. No, exactly. So, I don't see great things for this team in the tournament. 
but you know, it is what it is. I can't see them getting blown out. I can see them getting comfortably beaten, like you know, three one or four one, but not you know nothing like six four, six three or six two or something like that. I can't see that happening. Depending on who they play, though, mm. they're going to play Canada. Yeah, forget they're actually in that group, aren't we? We're doing Group A. <laughs> Whoops. Yes. <laughs> this is this is factual. They're, they will play Canada. Everybody that we're talking about right now will yep. have to play Canada. Yeah, so. I, might, I, might, I might want to um, I might want to retract that. So, anything else to add about the Czech Republic? No, no. It, uh, they're a bit player. They're basically there to fill up the numbers because you can't have too many composite teams. So. One of these hybrid, unique to the World Cup teams is Team Europe because Slovakia usually is the team that takes this mantle, but they, they're kind of in a downswing of their program right now. So instead of, you know, reaching even down lower for a Germany or a Denmark or something like that, the World Cup, because this is, again, financially driven for interest. What the hell? We'll just make up all the rest of the European teams and you guys can all play for this to put together a competitive team. And um, just glancing through it, it isn't too bad. No. Not the best team in the tournament, but uh, top line of Gabra, Kopitar, and Zuccarello, that's that's good. Yes, That would yes, be fun to watch. Uh, Bodker, you know, I kind of think he's an overrated player. Most of his stuff's on the power play. But Franz Nielsen and Marin Hossa are good players, still. And third line, you got Vanek, Dreisaitl, and Tobias Ryder. And the bottom line, Thomas Tatar, Yannick Hansen, and Nino Niederreiter. So, I mean, you got legit NHL talent throughout the lineup. So It, it, it feels more like a representative team than the Czech Republic does, if that makes sense. And it should, because... You know, this is obviously like a, a United Nations team, basically. So they are literally just trying to grab all the best players from all these countries and, and to get into this situation. So you'd hope that they'd be they'd have a better feel to them than the than the Czechs, I suppose. Defense, they're already better than the Czechs. Roman Yossi, Mark Strait is their top pairing. Wachara and Sakara backing that up. That's not too bad. Erhoff and Seidenberg and Spiza. Uh, rounding that out. Can I yeah. ask how the hell did Lucas Spezia get on this team? I don't know of any Jim Benning uh, tie-ins to this team. I just, so no, I, I just don't get it. And I, look, to be honest, I also don't get the Christian Erhoff selection either, but who knows? Well, those three are all seen... Well, Erhoff's seen better days. Yeah. Even Seidenberg, probably. Spezia, no. he's These are his days. <laughs> Exactly. That's, yeah. So, uh, the goalie thing's the interesting one for me. Should it just be, should it just be the New York Islanders show? Grubauer's not bad. No, I, that's sort of why I'm asking the question. But Halak is quietly one of the better goalies in the league every year, despite, you know, missing time here and there. Um my guy Thomas Grice, uh, I thought he I thought he did well with the time he had in the New York Islanders, which kind of cemented the previous samples that he's had around the league with uh, the Sharks, the Coyotes, and the Penguins. That he's always done a really nice job in the limited role. He got a 
more expansive role with the Islanders when Halak went down. I thought he did a nice job up through the playoffs. So I, I think he's he's uh, cut from the Vokun mold of uh, minimal movement is better. So he's, he's really an angles guy and not relying on athleticism so much. So he's, he's, you know, consistently pretty good usually. Smart idea. They should have good goaltending. They should. It's, it is one of those things with these short tournaments is that if you get a goalie that gets hot um, and you've got three to choose from, you just ride him and, and hope that he everything looks like a beach ball the whole way through. Um, so, you know, I know this won't be a long-term team in the tournament, but I like that it exists for this one. It's interesting. And it provides uh, some of these players that don't play for, um, like, Dreisaitl is not going to play for Germany in this tournament, or wouldn't. Niederreiter wouldn't be in for, I think, Denmark? Was he Denmark, or was he... uh, Uh, Nito, I can't remember. Switzerland? I think one of those white teams. Real white teams, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of one of the hospital teams. Um, but Kopitar, Slovenia, Zuccarello, Norway, that probably wouldn't. The, all these players wouldn't be in the tournament because uh, it would be one country and there'd be exclusions here. So for this one-off, I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, it works. I I get it. I I, I like the concept, particularly when you you're going out to a um, like you said a, a more casual audience. I don't think they're really going to care what's on the front of the jersey, just as long as it looks good, as long as the plays look good, as long as the hockey's got highlights and stuff like that. And putting a composite team together in this manner certainly helps uh, have the high-end talent in that situation. And I like that they tried to uh, artificially force a, an anthem on them, and they're like, uh, nah, fuck that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> this is... This it defines artificial. We, we yeah, we're good. We're just, good here. Just what's going on with anthems in your country at the moment, dude? Seriously. I just think there's people that can't see the shades of gray of this. It's either got you have to be totally in the corner of the protest or totally in the corner of I love that flag, I love this country, and people don't realize that uh, for athletes, they have this platform. They can only use it so many ways. And they, if they feel serious about something, uh, expressing yourself in a nonviolent way to raise attention to something, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. Uh, yeah, you don't yeah. have to love it. <laughs> but I don't think it's in a cost to the country. I think the whole our wonderful United States country is freedom of expression. Uh, that's a form of it. And we always say how boring athletes are. I know. So, you step outside the mold and all of a sudden you get slapped down. Just kneeling down is, is – I don't think it's disrespect to the country. I think it's their perceived uh, – there's a shortcoming in their mind of the country. They're trying to highlight it to make the country better. So I don't think it's fuck you, USA. It's, hey, this may need some look. I have a platform here. Maybe if more eyes get on it, that could help out. It's just crazy. It's, it's gone overboard, and, of course, people – have such a lowbrow discussion about this kind of stuff. So I, I don't really follow it too much. Because are, you ta- are, you ta- are you telling me that Twitter doesn't have any gray? It's all black and white? Literally? Yeah, Seriously? but even, even television or radio or anything of the such, they cannot find that both sides have valid points on this and that you don't, you know, 
It's just, I'm gonna say something controversial to most Americans on here. I think our national anthem fucking stinks <laughs> musically. Musically, I think it's garbage. I hate it. I hate it that it's played at every damn high school event that I coach. It's <laughs> annoying two minutes of every game that I go to. That's your problem. It's a crappy song. You listen to it too often. The idea of the anthem and being proud of your country, I'm all for it. But we have a dog shit anthem. No, you don't. Yeah, we do. It's Dude. long. And let me tell you another thing. Most average people can't sing in tune to it because it, it, it's too involved. And the people that can sing to it go over the top with it and ruin it. Dude, you haven't heard ours. Ours is a disgrace. We talk about things. Happy, short, sweet, like in O Canada. We Boom, done. Everybody can sing. We're good by sea. That is in our national anthem. It's a joke. It's, anyway, moving on. Honestly, I. <laughs> last thing on national anthems. I, I'm good with not playing them at sporting events unless it's an international event. Well, you know, that's usually what you play. I know for. it's built into it, but I think I, I don't think it's necessary. And I know most people probably don't share that opinion. And no, it doesn't bother me enough to where I'm not going to watch things and it doesn't raise my blood pressure. But if someone asked me my opinion about it, that's my opinion on it. If I had the choice, I'd, I could go without it. And I'm glad I'm And no, I don't hate my country because of it. <laughs> no, no, you do not. So, no, I just, well, just speaking of hating reasons to hate this country. Yeah, let's, yes, let's get there. This I want to talk about. This this is just funny. Andy. Team USA fucking sucks. All right, they're okay. Maybe they okay. Short <laughs> ter- short tournament. There's always potential for lightning in a bottle. Right. Yeah, but you gotta have like a, they could end up to... getting results. However, the entire process involved is makes me it's gross. It sucks. They've shown no progressive thinking at all with this, and it's just old school nonsense. It, it's a very unlikable. I, I think Travis Yo said it on Twitter. This is the most unlikable Team USA any sport in a while, any but, Team USA thing related, and I, I kind of agree. The problem you've got is that they picked a coach twelve months out. Coach then got a job. And they didn't want to back out from having that coach as the coach. And he's the one that's put his imprint on the roster because, you know, the general manager's gone, okay, what are you going to do on the ice? I want players that can do A, B, C, and D. And so when you get to the edges of the of the team, they're the players that they've filled the roster with. Like Justin Abdulkader shouldn't be on that roster. I wouldn't even put him on Team Europe. No. And, and you just, I just get there with it and you – and put in a little bit of context, obviously you and I both think Kessel should be on the thing, but he probably... he has a legitimate yes. injury, but that's not when they selected the team. No, that's that's sort of where I, where I was heading with that. And, and you just Jack Johnson. I mean, it's it's your you know you he's your whipping boy in, in a sense, but there's there, it's like they've gone off. Oh, these are the names that have always sort of been around, so we'll just throw them in there. He's our Spiza. He's our Spiza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good point, actually. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a little baffling. They're thing. building, quote-unquote, they built this team with the idea to beat one specific team who happens to be in their group who we spent a lot of time talking about already in Canada. But, you're not but gonna... what, about, what about these skills that these guys have, being tough and being able to play on the puck? Um, how many guys on Canada cannot do that? Zero? <laughs> and they have better skill? So how are you going to, like, 
get get the fuck out of here with this mindset. I'm so angry at this. Because that that was sort of where I was, you know, where where I was going with at the start of the podcast was you listen to the the quotes that have come out of, of Tortorella based around the hockey, not about the other garbage. And he wants them to be rough. He wants them to be abrasive and, and, and you know, rough and tumble, for, for a better way to put it. But none of those Canadian players on that team are pushovers. In, in fact, you get there and you go, get Slash known for being a dirty prick. You don't have to say that twice about Brad Marchant. Um, and, oh, Bergeron's one of the best defensive players on the planet. Yeah, and you can't knock him off Sid the puck. is the best grinder of all time. You've got Weber who has You're not no... Ruben Thornton. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and you've got no you've got no problems with, with Weber absolutely destroying you with his stick with a cross check. Um and it's not like any of the other defenders on that team are pushovers, if you know what I mean. So I I don't understand why they thought let's get big and let's try and rough them up and, and are they hoping that the tournament doesn't become a power play fest? Well, they're gonna be in the box if it does. But they have all the PK specialists in the world, so they should be really prepared for it. Yeah, well, exactly. Now, it's not all negative, because I don't want to... I mean, it's mostly negative, but their top line's <laughs> pretty good. Yes, it is. It's very Pavelski, good. Pavelski, Pacioretty, and Kane is a very good line. That's... Look, you can make arguments. If if you computer-gamed it, if you bloody NHL'd it, you could get there and go... If you mapped it out, that top line mathematically is probably pretty close to the the top line of the Canadians because of Patrick Kane. And that's about it. And then there's obviously. I mean, this... I mean, you can kind of reach one of Canada's lines. You could pick any of them, not just the. Well, that's one, the but... thing. Their their number one line is basically the equal of the four lines that Canada have got. Just to give some perception of where Canada's depth is. That's just the ridiculousness of, of, the, of the depth of forward talent that they've got at the moment. So, And the funny part about like Joe Pavelski being the number one center, he doesn't even play center on the Sharks. Ooh. No, I know. Not that he can't play center, but it's just funny that Canada's fourth line right winger is his center. Just, just that. And he's the one, he's the number one center for this team. Do you think Ben Reemsdyke will stay as the fourth line set, uh, fourth line winger, or do you think he'll actually get to move up in the lineup where he should be? Uh, you must not have seen a tweet that I saw today. Oh, what did you? What was that? He's a healthy scratch. Oh my fucking god! Really? I mean, it's ex- it's exhibition, so take it with a grain of salt. But him and. Eric Johnson are the healthy scratches. Well, I was going to actually ask about Matty Niskanen, and I'm hoping he's not going to be the healthy scratch because he is an elite defenseman. I know that it can be often uh, frowned upon to say that, but he is elite. We'll get to him. we still got some forwards. <laughs> Second line's not bad. Parise and Wheeler are really good wingers. I think Blake Wheeler is one of the better wingers in hockey that not a lot of people give credit for. No, it's I have to admit, he probably flies under my radar a bit. You'll see things throughout the year and you'll go, geez, that Blake Wheeler, he's not that bad. And, and, and then 78 just, points is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, and then it just disappears again because he's in Winnipeg and 
they're a hard market to get games for in, in the context of, well, I'm not that interested in Winnipeg to watch them because I've got another game to watch. So, so they're center step on, and he's a fine enough player. But again, we're talking about yeah. international hockey and mat, trying to match up against Canada. And their whole second line is Tavares, Getzlaff, and Sagan. They're all better centers than Stepan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? This team and, might not be so bad if they had Ryan Kessler from 2010. Well, they don't. No, that's sort of what I mean. If that's what they're missing. It's that next bit of depth. It's where Austin Matthews will come into it next time he plays. Do you know what I mean? So the third line transitioning through is Kessler centering Abdul Kader. <laughs> And T.J. Oshie, who I do think fits the proper definition of being uh, hard on the puck and skilled. Yes. Like, he's a good example of what they should be aiming for. Because I think Oshie's a pretty good player. He's also uh, Justin Abdicator, while fast, is riding some shooting percentages and unrealistic um, sustainability. And parlayed it into uh, an invite here. And a ridiculous contract. Um, I didn't realize that TJ Oshie was minus 16 on a Washington Capitals team that dominated last year. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I love bringing stuff up like that with you. You're so anti some things now. It's so fun. <laughs> uh, fourth line, it says on on our little cheat sheet here, Rams, Van Riemsdyk, uh, he's the scratch today against Canada. David Backus and Brandon Dubinsky. Kyle Palmieri, Palmieri is uh, the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Torrance. <laughs> he's a 30-goal scorer. Who's that? Palmieri. Oh, he was last year. Yeah. You know, like I'll listen to that before Abdelkader. Yes, that that's sort of the point that I'm trying to make. It's I'd like, rather not hear either. Canada, Canada at least, Mary. Canada at least got there and went. We're just going to throw our best players there, and we'll just play them in position, right? They'll just work it out. That's not what this team's done. They've gone for a style of player to play a particular sort of a role, and <laughs> a role that we know isn't. Shouldn't be your go-to. I just hope, for the sake of the Olympics, that they get absolutely torched by everyone. I think if you really, truly are a fan of Team USA and you want to see all these young players and have sustainable international success, I think you need to root for a tire fire and get Dean Lombardi and Brian Burke and these other guys yeah. out of Team USA. That's exactly... And- and, and find a different mindset approach here because the, up, coming through the pipe, we're going to talk about Team North America. Uh, there's quite a, a number of really great United States players. And for this tournament, as weird as the setup is, they don't have access to them. But that doesn't mean they did not have access to, to players that are good. Again, the process here is terrible. Phil Kessel wouldn't have played in the World Cup no matter what because he, in the playoffs, suffered his hand injury. However, he was left off the team healthy with Justin Abdelkader. I just want a tie fire so that they, like you said, the, the head gets chopped off and, and you start afresh with a new approach. 
because you're right, there's going to be some really top-end talent coming through in the next couple of years. And, you know, if they do go to to the Olympics, that two years' time, it's going to be important. You want to make sure that you, you, your best players are going to be there. And, and this roster is not that. So there's other guys. Like, Paul Stasny should be there. He's better than Bacchus. He's better than Kessler. Uh, he's apt, He's the kind of guy, skilled guy, that can create whoa, whoa, for other wingers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. I thought Stasny wasn't in the tournament because I was stupid enough to think he was Canadian. No, Paul Stasny's American. Yes, so this is why I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. He's definitely American. Fuck He's off. He's played for them before they left them home. How can they by, not? By choice. How can they not be putting, oh, my Jesus! No wonder you it's better went, than Stepan too. No wonder you went nuts when this team Tyler came Johnson. out. Oh my God! Really? Yes. <laughs> oh, come on! Give me some more days. Give me some more days. I'm starting to feel the anger. Come on. Kyle Oposo. Oh. So there's another one. <sighs> Defensively, this is bad. Kevin Kevin Shattenkirk, uh, Justin Falk. Uh, Those are two guys that need to be on here. Uh, so that's what we're dealing with. Can here. I can I ask where does this Jack Johnson love come from from everybody else? Like Dream, I, dreams. I have I have a feeling that my perception of Jack Johnson may be a little swayed by somebody that I talk to on a weekly basis who's not a massive fan. So I don't what I don't understand is like I'm in my own little bubble over here and I have Twitter to follow. I don't get what the where the love for this guy comes from. One from the US program and two from you know all the the mainstream media. I hate using that term, but all of the, the, the main media coverage that, that, that covers this sport. I just, I don't see it. I don't understand why they think he's so great. He looks the part. He skates fine, has a good shot. Uh, he doesn't string it together effectively, though, by any, any measurable statistic. Any statistic. So basically, it's the whole, he skates nice and has a big shot. That's what gets his leave pass with the rest of the media. Yes, and he's probably not a bad passer per se when he has time and space, but he does not show any ability to generate high-volume shots or keep high-volume shots off of his end, and his points per 60 at even strength is, is minimal too. So there's nothing to be had at even strength with him. Oh, good God. I, I'm now starting to feel angry for the American fans. Because that's just a terrible reeling off of names of, of who should definitely have been on the roster. I'm actually very interested. I want you to give two two part question. Who do okay. you think should be the starting goalie? Who do you think will be the starting goalie? You hold that question because we will. I will definitely do it. I just wanted to cover the defenseman quick. Okay, go for it. We just finally got through the forwards. Sorry, sorry. John Carlson, Ryan McDonough. Quality. Quality. Um, 
not as high end as some, but uh, Ryan Suter, Dustin Bufflin. I think Dustin Bufflin might be their their best guy, and he's finally on Team USA. They've kind of left left him out for a while. Um, I think very highly at Dustin Bufflin. Ryan Suter, um, he had 51 points last year. He's he's probably viewed as their best guy at times, but um, I think it's trending more away from that. Not a bad player, probably not as great. I, I wonder, he plays too many minutes yes, in Minnesota. That's exactly what I was about to say. I wonder if the fact that he won't have to log 29 minutes a game might, should help. might benefit what he does, and maybe the coaching staff with Boudreau in mini might play him a little less and try and get a little bit more out of him. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson. I mean, we've said enough about Jack Johnson. Eric Johnson is is done okay in Colorado. He's apparently the healthy scratch. Jack Johnson should always be the healthy scratch. And last but not least, Matt Niskanen, who you've, you said at the top, you used the elite word with him. I maybe won't go quite that far, but uh, another very underappreciated player. He's tremendous at defending zone entries. He's a very good passer. He has a great shot. I, I felt like all the shots he took in Pittsburgh got through somehow. Maybe not always on net, but he didn't get them blocked. He let his forwards have the ability to tip the puck. Uh, I like Matt Niskanen a lot. I think that is actually a good selection. Uh, but where the hell are Kevin Shattenkirk and Justin Falk? Up Tortorella's ass. I don't know. So that's that. Now, <laughs> to your question. Drum roll. It is, it is a no-brainer. Corey Schneider should be the number one goalie for this team. For whatever reason, his entire career, Corey Schneider has not uh, gotten the respect he deserves. He is a top five goalie in the league right now. I don't see another top five goalie on this roster, so nope. logic would dictate Corey Schneider should be the top goalie for USA, but Cups with a Z, Jonathan Quick, is going to be the starter when, in fact, he's the third guy on this team. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, it should be it should be Schneider or Bishop. Schneider is the healthy scratch. For this particular warm-up game, am I right? Correct, but I'm guessing it's against Canada. They are going to treat it as because their whole thing is beat Canada. This yeah. whole thing. so this exhibition game is not an exhibition for them. No, I oh know. I uh, I don't know. I I agree. It should be. It's not a terrible goalie, but that, he's no, not their best option. You compare. You, this is the thing. You, you, it's it's the whole Carlson Dowdy argument again. In, in that context, it's like. You know, Quick is the guy with this reputation that everybody says he's elite, right? And that's that's the reputation that Dowdy's got, and, and that's exactly what it should be. It's just that the other guy we're talking about, I run out of superlatives, and I've got a, a, a fairly good thesaurus in my head in regards to coming up with words, and you, you can't find more words to say how much better Eric Carlson is uh, production-wise and what he does for his team on the ice than what Daddy was in the previous year, and it's a little bit the same with Quick and Schneider. Quick is good. Quick is probably very good, but Schneider is, at his worst, very good, and most of the time, excellent, and the rest of the time, elite. And that's that's probably how I look at the difference between those two goalies. And Ben Bishop's really good too. Yes, I mean it's one of those things. Net is not going to well. I say net not going to be the problem 
So, I think Quick has a lower floor at times. I he, think, he, yeah. he really, the year that they won their second cup, if Mark Edward Vlasic did not get hurt, they were down 3 nothing, and that's an amazing comeback. But Quick is a huge reason why it was 3 nothing. And if Vlasic doesn't get hurt, they don't win that cup, and that's on Quick. But you can't go back. They did it. But I think it's worth mentioning that he was below average during that run. They won in spite of him. Yeah, that's and that happens with goalies sometimes. You, you get the Tim Thomas effect, the complete reverse, don't you, in Boston? Or quick the first time, where his reputation's based from. Yeah. His 2011-12 playoff run was outstanding. It's a little bit of flurry-like, I suppose, from the 2008 uh, Stanley Cup loss. You know, I think a lot of Fleury's reputation from there on was based yeah, he was on that. Smith caliber that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where they lost, so what the hell? Um, yeah, I'd like to see Bishop get a few games and just make sure that he's, you know, he was almost playing again from that injury. But you just want to make sure he gets in there, gets some game time, and, and feels comfortable back on the ice again, coming back from a knee injury. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like Carey Price coming mm. off an injury, although exactly. not, quite as, not exactly. quite as long, obviously. No. So, well, moving along. I guess I have no more shit talking about Team USA. Oh, you do, just not for now. Just lose so we can do the right things moving forward, please. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Group B, Finland, Scandinavia. The, the Finns are plucky. Plucky. On That's the surface, they don't is. always use. They don't always look like they have super top end roster, but boy, do they really play well at these things. Um, their top line, I like actually quite a bit. Uh, UC Jokinen, still very good player. Barkov, awesome young player. And is it Line? Line. No, you Line. I like it. I like putting him there. He's uh, number two pick in the draft. He's obviously a high-caliber young player. They're not forced to put their under-23 players on a weird made-up team, so they get to use him. That'll be great for him as well. Yes, really cool. Uh, Leo Komarov's a good defense, or had a good year for Toronto last year. Miku Koivu. Not quite what he was, but he still put up 56 points last year. I always thought he was better than his brother, Saku. I don't know how popular of opinion that is. I don't know. It's hard. You look at the market that he played in, and you look at where, 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 where Saku played, and I, I, even if, if Miko was the better player, it was never going to come out that way. It's just how it sort of works. Michael Granlin, I like. Uh, he's he's a good driver of possession for Minnesota. Um, I think he's improving as the years go. I, I liked him. I, I protected him in my little Las Vegas blog thing over Charlie Coyle. That was a big so, decision, that one. It was. To go with the 4D yeah. and then leave one of those two. And I ended up choosing Granlin to keep. So I, I think highly of him. Uh, Jonas Donskoy of the Sharks, uh, Yori Latera, who I believe is Tarasenko Center. Oh, I believe you're right. And Toivu Teravainen for third line. Not the best third line in the tournament, but NHL caliber. 
Eric Halla, Valtteri Filppula, who's kind of fallen off the last few years, and Laurie Korpakowski. I was a big fan of Filppula too, like big fan, and you're right, he has just died away a little Late, bit. Just really recently, yeah. though. Yeah, it's like he's just forgotten how to score. I just can't get anything in the back of the net. I, I still think the rest of his game, his game is fine. So if you put him into a defensive role, I, I think he would be very good at suppressing shots. At, at, you know, at the very at the worst of, of his output. Um, but for what Tampa pay him, and not that salary matters in a tournament like this, he can't have that that drop off in output that, that he's got. So putting him in on a fourth line probably fits what his skill set is in a tournament like this. So. I don't have much to add about the forwards. There's some really good ones there, and I, I lo- I'm going to watch that first line. I'm really intrigued by it. It's a, it's a cool line. Well, I just, I just want to see Lotto. That's all. I just, I'd like to see Barkov too. I mean, he's, he's a budding superstar in my opinion. Yeah, that Florida Panthers team seem to be. That's what we do have to discuss. Moving on to the defenseman. Why is there a Panther? Oh, just the signing again of Huberto. Oh. After they moved the... Don't worry. Moving on. I'm easily distracted, right? It's... Okay. It's, it's late it's, for you. It's 12 a.m. <laughs> Sorry. It's so noon. <laughs> so, top pairing, even though on our cheat sheet here it doesn't quite have it proper, it's actually going to be uh, Rasmus Ristolainen and Pittsburgh's Olimata. And in the first exhibition game, Olimata scored the game-winning goal in three-on-three in overtime. Uh, This is a nice thing for Mata. He's been hurt. He postponed his army. uh, Every Finnish male has to go do service for their military. Mata will eventually do it, but because of his injury past the last few years he's put that off to kind of rehabilitate hopefully he's done that in the summer because during the playoff run he you know he took that headshot and you know he had some other nagging he know, was, hip or leg stuff he was gimpy with something in the lower half of his body because not that he had a, a not that he has a beautiful skating stride but boy did it look ugly there for a little while so he's he's on their top pairing um Rasmus Ristolainen. Depending on where you go on the internet, you got some real wild <laughs> takes on him. Buffalo Sabre fans, you probably think he's a lot better than he actually is in this moment. Some of the heavy analytical um, breakdowns of him have him being a very bad player, and I don't believe that to be the case as well. I think there's some contextual things being on such a low caliber team especially with their defense depth the way it was like they intentionally were an all-time worst tanking team the year before so all of his numbers are going to be heavily skewed when he was surrounded by junk he's really their only defenseman um that has any long-term promise um if i can just pull up the roster quick yeah bogosian i don't like that is a player. Kulikov wasn't with them. Um, Georges, Franzen. I mean, really? <laughs> so maybe he turns into be a legitimate top pairing guy for the Sabres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a dumpster fire by any stretch, even though some of the numbers are showing that at the current time. Uh, I think he's got talent. 
and now he's on Finland's top pairing. Maybe playing with some proper players, he'll he'll look the part a little bit better in this tournament. Um, that's all I have to really add about him. He had 41 points. I mean, yeah, it's certainly not. It's certainly not bad. I just I just want Yuri Okapaka to play well because I just love that name. <laughs> um, Sammy Vatnin also on this roster, uh, very good, very good player in my opinion. Essa Lindell is a top prospect for Dallas. I think you mentioned so, that in your blog. I think he will be making the big club this year, especially with the departures of Jason Demers and Alex Goligoski. So it'll be this will be a nice uh, precursor to that. Sammy Lapisto, former NHLer, I think. Yeah, I remember the name. I just went, why do I know that name? Oh, no, wrong guy. Then, yeah, must be that Lapisto. So... Not much to add about the D. The, the okay grouping, I suppose. Yeah. It's Although Mata Ristolainen's, uh, you know, as a top pairing is could go well. If, might not. If put it to this way, if they go their top pairing and they and they at least float, so they don't sink, right? If they can keep their their nose above water, then that Vatnin get some better. Yeah. Yeah, Vatnin exactly. and Lindell get better matchups, then it works. If, if they if they don't float, then the whole sort of idea is in trouble. So it, it will be fascinating to see how that works. I mean, Oli scored the OT winner, so, you know, we're all happy. Yeah, I liked seeing that. That was good. Good shot. Um, goaltending, pretty good. In the sense that you only need one, and Tugarask <laughs> is one that's on the roster. <laughs> Thank you. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> Pecorine had a really bad year last year. He's shown to have really good years in the past, but uh, his elite or very good status is probably well overstated. Uh, Miko Koskinen, sorry, man, don't know who the hell you are. <laughs> no offense. Um, so, yeah, just uh, Tuca, go play. Oh. And Tuka's one of the better goalies in the league. So. A little worried that that's not the attitude they're going to take. But, yeah, I'm all down. No, Rene probably is in high favor with them. So, I, I guess in the games that matter, I would lean on Rask. If Rene wants to play a few of the exhibitions, so be it. Yeah. Koskinen, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just enjoy the ride, dude. Yeah. Let's get to the fun team. Let's get to the fun team. Who's next? Oh, the... My team? Yes. Team North America. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's only under 23. Who cares? Have a look at it. But damn. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, All right. Top line. Jonathan Druin. The evil Jonathan Druin who had to earn his ice time in the <laughs> NHL. He's now on the top line of one of the coolest teams put together in a little bit. I love this. Connor this Mc- is going to be so much fun. <laughs> captain Connor McDavid. Love that they named him captain. He's going to be the best player in the NHL as soon as next year. Yeah. Sorry. This, he's coming. This one coming, yeah. Sid is he's coming, and it's going to be sooner than later, but that's okay. You're still great, too. <laughs> Connor McDavid. That's all I gotta say. We didn't. We don't get much of him because he's in Edmonton. He will be on ESPN for the or on national US TV for the only time this year in this tournament. Well, well, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Roll, roll, roll back. Say, say that again. 
NBCSN is not having any Euler games on. Uh, moving on, it's for a conversation for another day. It's great uh, to market your best player, I know. Yeah. So. Mark Shifley, super underrated. His points per 60 um, at even strength is always underappreciated, which is crazy. I forget. I just tried to look it up, the site that I'm trying to use. Well, it'd be it's two points something, wouldn't it? It is over two, well above two. I'm going to try and uh, use Corsica right now. But I don't have much more to add than underrated, super um, skilled offensively. So I think I'm going to enjoy line two, though. As good as line one is, I, I think watching Goudreau, Eichel, and, and, and Brandon uh, roll their stuff out together will be a lot of fun. Just something about watching Johnny Goudreau play is just exciting. Yeah, and he's one of those Americans I talked about before, the, the new wave uh, that's going to be great to, to see. Goudreau's awesome. He's going to put up a huge amount of points this year. Calgary's very fortunate to have him. He does not fit. He fits that, oh, too small, can't survive in the NHL, it's too tough. Uh, nope. Nope, not really. Not you know at what? all, actually. If this, if this it's actually the opposite. <laughs> if this tournament wasn't set up as it is, I still think with the way Team USA picked their team, I don't think he would have got in. I think he would have, but it's oh. such an obvious... 2.57 for Shifley. That's oh, awesome. wow. Yeah, okay. Now, so. the one thing I have noticed about this particular team is... They currently have three number one centers as their centers. Because Nugent Hopkins was a number one center before McDavid rocked up. He's now basically the Malkin to his Crosby. And they've got, like, they've probably got the second best center depth in the tournament, to be honest. Yeah, and they still have room to wiggle on that. Yeah. So that second line with Goudreau, Eichel, and Saad. Pretty cool line. Yeah. Eichel has yet to show the ability to generate possession at a good level at the NHL, but he was, what, 19 last year? There's no doubting his hands or his offensive ability. And getting him with a guy like Goudreau, another Hockey East guy, I guess, <laughs> didn't coincide with one another, but, you know, a little college action there. Um, Brandon Sod's obviously clearly a, a great player. Uh, that third line that you spoke of, Nugent Hopkins, I have a little bit of a beef here. Yeah. Not him. I would have McKinnon playing center, and, and I would move Nugent Hopkins to the left wing. That's that's not a bad. McKinnon's outstanding. Like he had a bad year per se in Colorado, but man, we know what happened out there. It's I don't think that's a reflection of McKinnon. He's he's an eighty point talent. Even if he had 52, it's gonna be, it'll be. This this he scored is, last night. Yeah, I, I, did, I saw I saw a highlight. I did see that. Um, this is probably the one team I'm most interested in 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 watching. Oh, I'm so pumped for this team. I'm glad they exist. Yeah, well, for you in particular, who is so obviously uh, um, rooting have, against my home country at the moment. Yes, Absolutely rooting for failure, not. On the players, I, I hate that I'm rooting against them as individuals, but uh, their process is broke. So, yeah, this team, this process is not broke. This team is cool. This team is the future of the NHL. It is exactly how things should be. 
You, and Dylan Larkin makes up the rest of that line. Speed to burn. Yeah. Are you are you yay or nay on Matthews making this roster? Yay, totally. Why not? Good. No, no. I, 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 I'm on board with it as well. It's just, just curious, you know. Don't get me wrong. There's probably some other options that could have been there. There always is. I mean, that's, that's the beautiful thing about doing doing this now. Is, he seems like the odd guy out right now, but um, he's a number one overall pick for a reason, and I don't think it's like the Nail Yakupov version of the number one pick. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Pure Maple Leafs. If heaven forbid something drastic happened to that kid, oh no, don't say that. Do you know what I mean though? Like, he's American. <laughs> Leave him be. As as you <laughs> as you say, you don't want to root for any injuries or anything along those lines. But you get there, and it's like it would just be peak Maple Leaf if something bad happened. That's all I'm saying. Moving on. I know what you're saying. No, but I, I just want to go through the, the U.S. portion of this and how bright the future is. The entire second line, Goudreau, Eichel, Saad, All-American. Dylan Larkin, American. Austin Matthews, maybe not there right this moment at 18, American. J.T. Miller, not quite on the same level as all these other guys, and but, you know, I believe he's Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think Local. So. Yeah, and, and then Vincent Trocek. Yes, that was... He's on American. So... There's some really nice talent here for the the uh, U.S. Look, looking forward. This Team North America did not turn into just Canada's younger leftover kind of stuff. No, that's that's and that's a really, it's a, really it's good an point. honest to god even split, and they're all deserving of being there. So I think Matthews is the extra guy in Trocheck who has replaced Moynihan, is actually going to be um, in the lineup. That's and a shame Sean that Moynihan's not going to be playing. I, I quite like Moynihan as a as a hockey player. Um, defensively, Morgan Riley, he'll have his uh, time to shine here with Aaron Ekblad. Not a bad pairing there at all. No, God, I hope Riley just blows it out of the water. Yeah, he's going to have to um, for Toronto to be able to kind of evolve just to where with, they want Just with the amount of flack that sort of got heaped on him, like everything was his fault, sort of, you know, like Eric Carlson cops it in Ottawa, right? Riley sort of cops that kind of flack when things go wrong for Toronto, which has you know been quite a lot the last couple of years. It would just be great to see him play with a bunch of high-end, talented players and do very well at the same time. You go, see, get him in the right environment, and he's going to be good. Yep. And second pairing, Ryan Murray, Seth Jones. You got a Columbus Blue Jacket pairing there. Uh, that Ryan Murray's had shoulder issues, but hopefully he can kind of turn that around and develop into. Remember, I think the Islanders were going to give Columbus their entire draft to take Ryan Murray. Was it? No. What was that crazy trade then? It was Dowdy. No, it was not. It was. Nope. It could have been It was Islanders and Blue Jackets for sure. No. Um... I can't remember. No way. Yeah. That's anyway. I know Ryan Murray has got, uh, you know, high projections, and it's obviously just been his health that stopped him. Um, so it would be great if he could, you know, get off to a oh, great yeah. start to the year. Best Islanders draft day trade they never made. Moving up for Ryan Murray, had it. Aaron Portsline reported that Islanders had offered entire draft for number two overall. Fuck me. So it was. Um, Columbus should have taken that. <laughs> not that Murray's a bad player, but he's not being yeah. healthy. So it, yeah, it's Jesus. Garth Snow has done a lot of good moves. How much of it would have been undone if he had gone with that trade? 
Oh, man. That's ridiculous. So, I like Seth Jones. Bottom pairing, quote-unquote bottom pairing. Good. Jacob really Truba good. and Gostaspare. Yeah. And then the extra is uh, Colton Pierco of St. Louis, who um, that's a hell of an extra. Yeah, if they struggle to really move, good last year. If they struggle to move the puck with anyone they are, I'll just throw Pierco. I mean, at least we know the, the puck's going to go. <laughs> that boy can move the puck really well. So, lovely puck moving skate uh, ability roster. So cool. Got to get my Team North America jersey. Right, so, not really, but yeah. the position, the the last one left. Do you go? They have to go Murray, don't they? Just to start with. Yep, and I, I wrote a blog just on this. Um, I think Hellebuck can push him and has shown that he, uh, in his sample, that he can do good things as well. Gibson's, uh, in my opinion, on a different tier. He's clearly the third guy. So just, like, obviously, I've got Gibson's just, you know, normal numbers here in front of us. Two goals against and a 930 save percentage, right? In what's that? Twelve games. Is he going to be one of those goalies that is really, really good in the regular season? And I mean, really good. I don't know how accurate those stats are. <sighs> yeah, no, I've looked through some of them as we've gone through, but I can pull up my blog and I went through his high danger save percentage and all this stuff, and it was not close. No, nine thirty. That's sort of what I'm I'm getting at. It's like. Even strength save percentage, John Gibson is 9.22 um, during his career. His high de- high danger is 7.85. It's by far the worst of these three goals. Yeah. I included playoffs for Matt Murray because his sample is so small, and increasing it is in our best interest. He's at 9.34 even strength, 8.74 high danger. That's really good. That actually leads the NHL, I think. His low danger yeah. save percentage is a little lower than I thought, if I remember correctly. But that. There's not much variance in low danger, so I totally um, would expect that to actually go to the league norm and see his high danger maybe fall. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, and Hellebuck is 939 even strength and 821 high danger, so um, I, I like his numbers too. I would go Murray, Hellebuck, uh, Gibson. For the sake of the Jets, I hope Hellebuck gets a few games, even if it is just you know the lead-up games, because like, I know Murray played today. Um, Got to shut up. Yeah, well, yeah. It would be nice if he could, um, if, if Hallibut could just get on, uh, get on and, and get on a roll, and then can allow the Jets to try to do something with with public. Really, is sort of where I'm getting to. Correct. Um, but yeah, Matt Murray, uh, his professional sample size has been great. He set records in the AHL for a consecutive shutout streak, and that's not. Brian Boucher did that at the NHL level. So maybe that's not an example of being a great goalie, but he did set number of shutouts in a year, and his save percentage was in the high 930s during his AHL. And since he's come to the NHL, his numbers have also been great. So That's the promising sign, I suppose, for this particular tournament. Um, it doesn't seem as though a bad goal faces him, I suppose, is the big thing if you go by the Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah, never the, did. The Penguins well, had... Externally doesn't look like it. I no, think it, that's the yes. I agree the with human that. part of it. So yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't have much more to add on North America than uh, I want to watch them play. Yeah, they're going to be fun. So, um, Let's go and have a look at the Vancouver leading um, Sweden team. It's a weird alphabetical order this has got. Oh, I know. <laughs> but that's... All right, we're going to go S and then R, apparently. <laughs> Maybe they're just doing Sweden and Team Russia. I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, we'll go with Sweden. Top line, Sedins and Louis Erickson. Jim Benning better hope this line kicks ass. Oh, no, one gets hit. Oh, Bart. So that's that's an all-Vancouver top line. Louis Erickson probably not on a contract that makes sense long-term, but we're not talking about long-term. We're talking about this tournament, and that's a great top line. It is. It's going to go well. I. Um, it's always fun to watch the Sedins play, and I think Erickson is a nice complement to that. Fits in quite well. Next line, pretty good. Philip Forsberg, one of the best uh, wingers in the game. Nicholas Backstrom, awesome center. Patrick Hornquist thrown in there to uh, do what he does, and that is have maybe the line mates do more of the controlled entry stuff, and then when in the offensive zone, wreak havoc and do good things there. I know that this is easy to say um, when you watch the games, but if, if you knew that you had that line on the ice and you were the opposition – would you not just try and force the puck on the Hornquist stick and force him to carry yeah, it in? Yeah, absolutely. Because those other two guys are just does. fantastic. And yeah, exactly. You end up with the dumping and he hasn't shown a He may not need to be forced to do that at times. That's sort of my point. He just dumps the puck in without any thought of where he's dumping. He just throws it in there and it's like... Oh, I think he, I think he has thought in it. I just think he does it too much. I'll... I'll agree to disagree on the think about where he dumps it in at times, but look at the two players he's getting to play with. He just has to stay out of the way and then let the puck hit him, really. Stay out of the Well, he's good defensively. No, he it's is. just You're the right. transition yeah. that I don't think is a strength of his. No, it's just, yeah, watching Backstrom and Forsberg play together will be a lot of fun. So, Landis Cog, Backland, Soderberg. Like Landis Cog a lot. Uh, Backlund, maybe he's kind of like Granlund for Finland, that um, young player. Maybe not high end, but showing signs. Soderberg, I don't know. Apparently, it says he had 51 points. Is that even accurate? I don't know. This is ESPN stuff. I have no idea. Wonderful. They're covering it. Well, I, I'm not saying that they're wrong. It's just. I'm saying if he did get 51 points, that kind of uh, surprised me. And he did. He had a good year. All right. There's obviously something I've missed across the summer because I thought Jacob Silverberg played for the Minnesota uh, – played for the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, he did. He did? Does he still or not? It says Minnesota. That's That's not right. Okay, cool. So I'm not going crazy. I haven't missed something in a day or anything like that. Yeah, Jakob Silverberg. I would probably put him on that third line. Yeah, that was on what the I was... right wing with Backland and Landis Cog. Yep. I would put Soderberg as the center, and I would bump Marcus Kruger to left wing. Yep, that that all makes sense in my head as well. And um, I might I... even put Carl Haglin on with Forsberg and Backstrom. If you want to get the skates moving, yeah, I think that would work. Like, because that's a complete gear shift 
or a couple of gear shifts, really, if you, you take Hornquist off and you're. I suppose this off. isn't set in stone. You can always. Oh, uh, yeah. Mold are, and create. Yeah, exactly. And Ricard Raquel is the, is the, the extra. Is certainly. Uh, I don't think he's the extra. I think Kruger's clearly the extra here. Probably, but uh, you know what? If Kruger is the extra, which, as you you rightly said, makes more sense. I like that Swedish lineup, but the, that's not their strength. The strength is from here on in. Holy cow is the next part, the strength. But I will say their forward group is really good, and and Sweden is one of the favorites. I think they can beat Canada. And it's going to be for the following reasons, uh, even outside of their forwards. Chalmerson and Carlson, pretty good. <laughs> Chalmerson is awesome at defending, and uh, Eric Carlson is just the best player at his position. So there's that. <laughs> Campus Lindholm, who wasn't on the roster because of Cronwall, uh, they fell into a great change of scenario and now have Lindholm in the lineup who is one of the best rising players at his position. Oliver Ekman Larson, tremendous in Arizona. Victor Hedman and Anton Strahlman as a lightning combo is ridiculous. And then Matthias Ekholm is the extra. That's the best back end yes. in the tournament. Yep. And Canada could have but once again, they didn't maximize it. If you put Subban in for Weber and get Bowmeister out there with Latang, then then we we could have talked. You know, you know what's funny. You know how you said you know picking Weber isn't going to cost them the tournament. It it is it is a three game. It's, it is the best of three for the for the win, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's the best of three for the win. Should I research that doing a World Cup podcast? But hey, uh, we'll just gamble on the fact that it is the best of three for the final. Um, that back end, if you compared both those two back ends, that would be enough to make a difference. And, and that's the, you it's know unreal. what I mean? Because that, un- you look at that. Unreal. Six, you look at those seven. I wouldn't put Chalmerson with Carlson. I would put Hedman there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I do understand why they would consider putting Hedman and Stroman together because that's what they do. You know, is there a danger? And I would go Lindholm, Larson, and I'd let uh, Strawman and Chalmerson. They're kind of similar dudes in, in that sense that they're not known for huge offense, but they just do so many good things. Yeah, but that that back seven compared to the, the other back seven, that's enough in a little three-game spread to, to make a difference. So There ain't no Jack Johnsons on that. No, and they've got what I would consider probably the best goalie of the last seven years. Generation. Yeah, gen- yeah, exactly right. Generational talent back there. And still high end. Henrik Lundqvist yep. is the best. I still think he's the best. Yep, I hate Over saying Over Carey Price. But he is. He just, he flat out is. And this- to me, Markstrom and Enroth, uh, um, whatever. <laughs> he got just, the best plan. They're just there because you have to have three, right? It's simple as that. So... I don't have much more to add on Sweden other than the fact that they're really awesome and have as good a chance as any to win the tournament. They do. They do. And it's funny. The biggest strength that that Swedish roster's got is probably the biggest weakness that the Russian roster's got, which is the last one we've got to look at. Um, Before we go to our last team, Russia, I just saw a pretty uh, interesting 
tweet that Goudreau is playing with McDavid and Eichel today. Oh, Jesus. Oh, really? (laughs) So I just want to say before we wrap up with Russia that, yeah, our lines, we're basing it off of this ESPN depth chart thing. Maybe our line, they're always changing. We just kind of wanted to talk about the players. Either way, though. um... So don't, you know, if we're wrong, I suppose you could send us a message letting us know but i'm just telling you what we are right now <laughs> obviously it would be politely said obviously <laughs> always <laughs> um yeah because right off the bat russia's is wrong it's got malkin up there can i ask why they don't play gino and, and ovechkin together um you can ask i don't have um okay good so i'm not, I'm not going crazy it, it is one of those don't know why they just, they just don't be cool to see more often i think it would work but haven't done it so whatever so the top line is ovechkin kuznetsov and kucherov <laughs> that's that's okay yeah, it's just a little bit all right um 30 goals for kucherov Ovi obviously with 50 and kuznetsov had 77 points he was uh, had a wonderful season with washington so uh, second line, there's no more uh, let off the pedal in the sense that you have Malkin and Tarasenko. <laughs> Kuhleman is has been with them a little bit. Would you not just play he's, Tanner? He's in- fallen off a table. But you still have Malkin and Tarasenko. Would you not just play Penner in there and just yes, run it? Yes, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I would, but Russia does not always make. You know what I just realized? We get to watch Pavel Datsuk play. Yes. The fourth line, Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, that won't stay like that. It'll get to the games that matter and he won't be there. So, the other forwards, you got Anisimov, Panarin, uh, Shipashov, I don't know. He's a KHL dude. He had 60 points in the K. Which is no nothing to sneeze at in the K because it's not an easy scoring league at times. No, that's right. Dadnov, Namistikov, Datsuk, and Ivan Teligan. Whatever. Um, a lot of high end, and as usual, they have weird depth. Well, they get killed on the back end. Yeah, Markov and... Um, Emelin, Kulikov, Marchenko, Orlov, Zaitsev, and Nesterov. I don't know what's gone wrong in Russia with developing, de- yeah, developing defensemen, but yeesh. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big hole there. It's, it's like they're forwards of, yeah. There's an overabundance of one end and nothing at the other. It's talk to Putin. It's his fault. Weird man. All right, so they have three goalies that can steal a tournament. Yeah, they have good options. Who to go with? Um, I would probably go Bobrovsky, Vasilevsky, Varlamov in that order. But That's like hilarious. you said, it's a, it's a close cluster. I, I probably would have gone Varley, Bob, and then Vasilevsky. So. Okay, but, but it's a close cluster. It, no, it really is. But yeah, like, as we've... I Obviously. thought Vasilevsky did a wonderful job coming in. Oh, he was fantastic. Against, Absolutely against fantastic. Against the runaway train that was Pittsburgh. Yep. That series could have been 
not seven games. Well, it could have been five games, really, when you think about the sort of efforts that Vasilevsky put in. But, you know, as, as I've said previously on the podcast, I'm very high on Valamov. He just needs to stay healthy. Um, and, and I think he can be an exceptionally good goalie. Um, and a short tournament like this, he's going to get shelled, though, because I think the Russians are going to have trouble getting the puck out of their zone. Once it's out, I think they're going to be fine. But I have a feeling they might get trapped in their zone a bit. Yeah, they got skaters on forward that are one-man breakout crews. Like Malkin, even Ovechkin can wheel it if he wants. Tarasenko, Datsu, clearly. Yeah. Um, Uznetsov, I mean, they even Panarin. Yeah, skater. yeah, they just they've got to get the puck. That's that's their biggest problem. They can get. Now the here's puck. one thing I never understood: Russia refuses to play one of the best power play players in the league on the first power play. And no, I'm not talking about Ovechkin. He's out there, obviously. Why would you not have Ovechkin on the left circle and Malkin on the right? Because it goes against having four and one. That's the only thing I could think of, and. and... Russia seems very dogmatic at times with with the with the way they run. Or their at box. least play Malkin on the right point. No, not going to happen. Do you really need Markov out there? Go five forwards. No, they. I look. I agree. I, I think Ovechkin's a little bit more responsible on, on that that uh, left point than people give him credit for. He knows when to go. He knows when to not. And and Malkin's. Well, Malkin is certainly, you can't mistake him for a defender. He's certainly not an idiot when it comes to trying to back check. That's the right point quite frequently for yeah. Pittsburgh when they don't have two able defensemen to do it. And I just think that two of the best one-timers in the sport, on either side with guys like um, Tarasenko, Datsuk, and Kuznetsov doing some passing work, you know, it'd be really fun. It'd be really fun to see a pass from from like Tarasenko up to Malkin, who fakes a slapper, passes it across to Ovechkin, who unleashes the slapper, and just, you know what I mean? Like, they'd just be fun to see. I get exactly what you're saying. So, Russia will be a high entertainment value. As far as translating to wins, I have questions about that back end, much like you do. Yeah. So, if the goalies stand on their head, um, then they'll probably go far, because they'll have a lot of chances the other way themselves. So I think that's every team. I think, I think we went a long time, but I thought it was worth it. I think it's a, a cool tournament, like we said at the top. Uh, health to all players. Please. So, you know, summer, we didn't do as many podcasts as we thought. So Sorry, guys. Apologize. And it was frustrating that the few times we did it and they didn't record, that wasn't good either. <laughs> Funny, though. <laughs> funny that word funny <laughs> so I suppose just uh, hockey buzz I'll be doing Canada for this tournament and Pittsburgh at Walshy 66 at Gunner Stahl patreon.com slash hockey hurts for voluntary donations for as little as $1 per month if you'd like to support the podcast and offset the server costs I think we've talked enough today Enjoy the World Cup exhibition games and leading up into the actual tournament. Uh, I'll be watching while she will figure something out for you. We'll try. So um, until then, I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh.